Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans. Welcome back. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is We Know What You Did. It Makes Us Sick. We are going to Featuring Blanche the Persian. I am shit. <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> and I'll stand there with the wizard. Okay, listen up, little criminals. We have to talk about something before we get into the episode. And that is the Wicked trailer. Okay, did we not talk about this last week? No. <gasps> That's blasphemy. I can't believe we didn't bring it up at all. Well, we didn't have a lot of time. The last two episodes, super fans, in case you hadn't noticed, were a little rushed. <laughs> and <laughs> they're like, yeah, they were 40 minutes long. <laughs> we had stuff that had to be done. So now we have some extra time today. We are going to be uh, discussing things in a little more depth than we had previously. So, Christy, why don't you kick us off? What were your thoughts on the Wicked teaser trailer? Um, I had full body chills. I watched it three times in a row. I know it was supposed to be starring us. Me as Elphaba, you as Glinda. And while that would have been great, I think Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande are an amazing second choice. Like, if it didn't have to be us, I'm glad it's them. I still think there's time to reshoot it with us. But anyway... <laughs> Other There's nothing that, but time. <laughs> other than that, I really liked it. it. After literally decades of, like, all the gays on Twitter are like, I will not believe that this movie is real until I am seated in the theater and it ends. We are going to actually upload it separately, act one and act two, the way that they're doing the movie, so that Good it's idea. not meant to be direct competition. Yeah, we'll see you at the Oscars. Ariana Grande, Cynthia Erivo, John Chu, and Steven Schwartz. We sure will. Yeah, but in all seriousness, also, I don't understand why they're doing two separate films. I feel like one is fine. Like, just they said give me, they didn't want to cut anything out. But just then fi- give me a four-hour movie. Give me a three-hour That's hour what cut. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't care. And I mean, I think I can go without something bad <laughs> happening in us. Like, I think that could have been cut personally right right absolutely that would have been the first to go um if i were the one holding the axe but i will say that we are planning to do a meetup either in new york or los angeles most likely new york uh the day that the film comes out on thanksgiving so if anybody wants to uh dip from their family obligations that day and come see wicked with us it'll be a lot of fun we will be handing out signed headshots summer you simply have to come to los angeles I'm not going to be in New York City on Thanksgiving. The movie looks, from what we've seen, this one minute bit of footage, absolutely visually stunning. I am so excited to see it. I do not want to be disappointed. My heart is on the line, and I'm sure you feel similarly. Yes, but also, okay, this is how I felt about Enchanted 2, and... Mm. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't think that's going to happen really? with Wicked. I hated it. I Enchanted is one of my favorite movies of all time. I have been hearing about the sequel for years and years and years. I start working at Disney. I work on it. I was so excited. I had such high hopes. And it was terrible. It went straight to Disney+. Plus. It should have... Originally, it was going to be theatrical, but no comment. Um, it just wasn't good. But I don't think, I don't think this will happen with Wicked. Um, Wicked trailer debuted during the Super Bowl and I don't think the super fans know that historically I've been extremely anti-Super Bowl because it used to fall around my birthday and I have this like distinct memory of like when it fell on my birthday in the second grade and I wanted to throw a big party and my dad was like nobody's going to come to your birthday party because it's a Super Bowl so I think that was the beginning and then everything around my birthday was football themed and I'm like no I'm a princess Barbie like I don't want football around my birthday But then they did add an extra week to the season. So it's been a week later. So then I was like, fine. I like the hate in my heart was starting to like 
go down a little bit because I didn't have to deal with it as much. And then Taylor Swift starts dating Travis Kelsey. And I love Taylor Swift a lot. I will say, I will say I did so well of ignoring football that I had no idea who he was. And I had, I had never heard of the Chiefs before. I had never heard of this team. I didn't know that they have won the Super Bowl previously. Um, but now I know a little bit too much about that sport. So then the Super Bowl comes along and I still, I still didn't watch. I haven't gone that far. Like I love Taylor Swift, but I'm still not going to watch it. Um, but the fact that the NFL was trying to bait me by showing Taylor Swift, the Wicked trailer, and also a huge Beyonce commercial where she dropped two songs. I was like, this is everything that I love. And that's absolutely crazy that it happened during that event. Like the, the femaleification of the Super Bowl is incredible. The bimboification of the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> the bimboification. The Barbie, the Barbieification of the Super Bowl. It's we're turning it back into the Barbie dream house. So like that I can get behind. It is my personal opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it is yours that everything should be Barbieified from here on out. Correct. Um and the we Grammys... should have been doing this a long time ago. The Grammys were Barbie-fied. All the big awards went to female performers. And guess what? Actually, something I've realized about myself is other than the Jonas Brothers, who are grandfathered in in my life, I don't really like listen to male singers. And I don't care about male performers because they're just not as fun to watch. I'm going to be totally honest. I can't think of a single male singer off the top of my head. Like right now, I don't think there are any big ones I mean other than like the yeehaw country ones but I think women are dominating the music industry currently because all the teens are obsessed with like 30 year old pop stars like Harry Styles and Taylor Swift like everybody we had as teens the teens still like but which is good because if you have the teenage girls on your side then you have the world as a musician that's so fascinating to think though that these people have been relevant for so long and you know what? That's a great point with Desperate Housewives as well, because it is sort of having this resurgence. And now people who are 10 plus years younger than us are finding it and it's it's turning into something cyclical. Anyway, Summer, what was your moment? What was your moment of desperation this week? I went to a wedding yesterday. My cousin got married. Congratulations, Ryan and Dolores. Never heard of these cousins. You actually haven't met them. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking. I know, I know, you know everybody, but I, I just had a really long day in store. I had to be up early, go to my mom's house, get some work done there. We leave, drive to Jersey. We can't find the entrance because of all these detours. We're driving around. It's this very sharp right turn into like a golf course area that looks like you're turning into a construction site. We get there. Uh, we didn't end up going to the actual ceremony, but we just went to the reception, which was great because I don't really love ceremonies that much. I find them tedious. So I don't know about you, but when I am at a family function, the wisest thing I can do is get drunk immediately. So I get in there, open bar. I started off with a gin and ginger. It was very tasty. And of course, all of my cousins are coming up to me and it's people I haven't seen in a long time and aunts and uncles and uh, even those people that like, you know, you're related to them, but you're not actually sure of their name. So you mm -hmm. just say like, hey, you, it's been so long. Oh, it's so good to see you. Is it so good to see them? Would my life have gone unchanged if I hadn't seen them? I don't know. So I start off with one drink and everything's fine at first. Then I get my second drink and I'm popping around and, and talking to all these different people. And I'm like, I am still so coherent. Uh, so I, I went over to my grandpa. I had just gotten a vodka lemonade <laughs> and my grandpa's sitting there with like his girlfriend and some of my aunts and uncles. And he looks at me with like this look of slight horror. And he's like, what are you drinking? And I was like, oh, it's just lemonade, Grandpa. Like, don't worry about it. Ha ha ha. And I realized there's a little bit of a double standard here. Now, not to get on a feminist soapbox, but I feel like with all of my cousins, I have a younger male cousin. And if 
And if he's seen drinking, nobody thinks anything of it, but somebody sees me drinking and then it's like, why are you doing that? And, and it's, it's this little bit of like an infantilization. So I walk away from grandpa and I go talk about this double standard with my other cousins. And then it's time to go in. Um, and I realize very quickly that I, I need a third drink. So I go back out like and me. I get another, <laughs> Wow! you know, I, I think I was channeling my inner Christy. So I go get a third drink. I get another vodka lemonade. It was delicious. Um, but my, my grandpa happened to be walking out again at the same time. So I saw him and I was like, grandpa, like I'll, I'll get you a drink. What do you want? And he asked for me to get him uh, two glasses of wine, one for him and one for his girlfriend. And then I realized I didn't want him to like hear me ordering the vodka lemonade. So I was like, you, you go sit, like I'll, I'll bring it out to you. Not realizing that I would be carrying three drinks, two of which were wine glasses. Now I've oh, been no. a server. So in theory, I should know how to do this, but I didn't have a tray. Um, so <laughs> the bartender gives me the two glasses of wine and I take one in each hand and I look down and I'm like, that's not going to work. So then I, I like balanced both wine glasses in my hand um, to the point where they were almost spilling over. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? And I think it was just the fact that I was two drinks deep. And so my faculties of like how I would ordinarily carry drinks just were not there. So finally I figure it out. I get back in there and two sips in, I realize I'm not, I'm not at the wedding anymore. I'm somewhere else. <laughs> what do you mean? I just felt so drunk. Oh. <laughs> and usually they like water down those drinks. No, not at this wedding. This was also a sober wedding, by the way. My cousin and his wife are both sober. <laughs> like, Oh, so they, they just had an drink. open bar for their guests? Uh-huh. Well, that's good, at least. Like, if it was a dry wedding completely, oh, my God. Right. No, no, no. Of course not. That was very considerate of them, obviously. Um, but then from, from the third drink on, I broke the seal to the point where I think I had to go pee four times an hour. <laughs> and it was so difficult because I kept disappearing. And everybody at my table was like, where do you keep going? You couldn't just say, I have to go to the bathroom? No, like I did, but they were all oh. like, are you okay? Because I was going an ungodly amount of times. <laughs> there was some really good music that was played. There was some really awful music that was played. And I was home by 11 o'clock. So That's I guess lucky. I really did win out in the end. Yeah, yeah. It was just um, a little bit of a chaotic night. And mm -hmm. it was nice because I don't drink very often. And uh, the fact that I was able to do so for free was really cool and fun. That's interesting because when we go out, you are like, I can't drink. I had an Advil. I don't want to drink. I don't like this. I don't like this. So for you to be like, I had a vodka lemonade. It was so good. It's so interesting coming from your mouth because you don't like the taste of alcohol typically. So why don't you tell me a bit about your moment of desperation for this week? Well, I can't even tell you what I did this week. Let's see. My parents left and then I kind of just coasted. I think my moment of desperation is just the rain in Los Angeles. Like, I cannot believe, okay, on one hand, it's good because we're no longer in a drought, but it's like, we've had a three-day weekend. I've woken up three days in a row, no sunshine, so I just, like, have to pull myself out of bed, and today, I was like, okay, I have to go to the grocery store. Like, I have no groceries. Tofu is no food. You know where, how close I am to the grocery store. Like, I, I will never... I will always be a New Yorker living in Los Angeles. I'm like, it's so close. Like I have to walk. So it's, it's raining pretty okay. And it's windy. I walk outside. I get my little bag. I'm like, yep, I'm walking. I'm walking. And then I made it to um, the, the, the street. I'm about to cross the street. And I go, what am I doing? I have a car. I have a working vehicle like I don't I actually don't need to be doing this so I turned around and I drove 0.2 miles to the grocery store and I was like this is nice I still won't do it when it's like a nice day but it was so easy 
and I didn't have to not do that. And also, <laughs> I saw poor things last night. I don't know where I like. I feel like a changed person watching this. I will say, really, I, no, but like, I felt <laughs> like I was in that theater for six hours. It was such a long movie. You have to see it. It's really weird and it's crazy and a little uncomfortable. So don't go see it with a parent. I actually told my parents not to go see it. But I was just like, I don't know where I am or what I'm doing. I want to see Madame Web. Oh, it's Madame? I don't know why I just said it like that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't have I don't have any cool content for you this week. So I'm just rambling about the things that I did. With your recommendation, I would go see it because there are very few people whose recommendations I take, but you are one of them. Okay, I'm literally an influencer amongst my circle of friends. And it's crazy it's that nobody, like I'm not monetizing and nobody's letting me be an influencer online because everybody just listens to things I do. You more more so now than you used to. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I got my hormones checked. And you're like, wait, what? I need to do that now. It's actually really nice. I'm like, oh, thank God somebody listens to me. Or when I was like, maybe you should eat healthier. And then you did. Part of the reason <laughs> that I have listened to these things that you're talking about is because they are a matter of health. <laughs> so, and on that note, my friends, get your VitaClean for 15% off with the code we are going to tell. It's seriously so life-changing. It's been one big ad the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to do now is get into the episode, right? Okay. Okay. So this is season two, episode six. It's called I Wish I Could Forget You. And you brought up a point last week about the titles of the episodes being kind of long and drawn out. And this is no exception. So we start off with a George monologue and it's him that basically his whole life, any woman he's dated did not want to sleep with him. Gee, wonder why? And all make excuses. And it was just a little montage of them being like, I'm really tired. I don't feel good. And you can just see the look on his face. Like he knows they're lying. And it's like, well, you're creepy. And then Brie, he's sitting there with Brie and he's like, Oh, your hair. Like she has her hair up in a clip. I got the ick when he took her hair down. I was like, just don't do that. Don't do that. He forces her, himself on her pretty yeah. much and starts making out with her. And again, she thinks she's in love with him because of the lie detector test a few episodes ago. So she has convinced herself of this lie. So then she starts breaking out fully into hives. I also did notice that she's wearing a royal blue now, like her colors are slowly getting lighter. So she's out of her little grief. And, um, ew, he says something about his tongue extending. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wrote it down. He, when Brie first feels the rash starting to develop, she doesn't know what it is. And George is like, oh, sorry, that's my tongue. It extends farther than most. <laughs> like, because, what, like a, like a lizard? Yes. She realizes she breaks out into hives and then she kicks him out and she goes, George, I simply cannot be with you tonight. You've broken me out into hives. And then she shuts the door and George is like, well, at least, you know, that's pretty original and clearly not a lie. But like at that point, hang it up. Like, why are you continuing to try? In the next sort of sequence, we hear Mary Alice say, little girls dream of big white weddings. And I was like, not me. Um, I'm a child of divorce. So I've never <laughs> believed in that. Uh, but we do see Sophie come back again. She is getting ready for her wedding. And she is so annoying. Once I saw Susan sewing that wedding gown for Sophie, I remembered exactly which episode this was. And I was oh. very sad. Um, so they're talking about, she's getting married to, um, her mutually abusive man. I don't remember what the guy's name is. Morty. Morty from the pancake shop. And Pancake Morty. Pancake Morty. <laughs> pancake and Morty merch dropping next week. 
<laughs> and Mike is just reading the newspaper, looking gorgeous. He looks so good. He looks so good just reading the newspaper. And Susan just, they just, Sophie's like, oh, Susan, Mike, do you ever think you'll want to see Susan in a dress like this? <laughs> and then Mike just makes some like throwaway comment. He's like, just looking at the newspaper being like, well, um, she doesn't want to know when she's getting engaged or something makes a comment. And I just went, oh my God. And Susan's like, oh my God, when is it going to happen though? Like, is it going to be tomorrow, next week, next month? Like I need to know. And he's like, then it wouldn't be surprised. And I was like, oh my God. I know he's so casual about it. He's like, yeah, well, when we get married, like it's obviously something he wants and he's committed to her and it's beautiful. And it just makes me so happy. For now. I, why, will they, ah, I want them to be happy and I know what's coming. I know. It's a very frustrating couple to, um, yeah. to dedicate energy to, but it's tragic, on, actually. Very tragic. And so then we get back to Brie and Dr. Goldfarb. The return of Dr. Goldfine. So good to see him. Yes, I missed him, actually. Also, I made a comment, Brie is now wearing white. Oh, I didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's basically like, yeah, subconsciously, you simply don't want to be with George. Obviously. And she's like, I don't think that's true. Like, Brie, you are a smart, beautiful woman, but you're acting a little dumb. Brie said, I don't believe in the subconscious, which is hilarious. That's a crazy thing to say. Because that's like saying, I don't believe in gravity. Yeah. Like, how how bad did Rex damage her to not believe in the subconscious mind? In the next scene, Lynette is getting bullied at a work meeting because Nina is being a biatch. And she's like, oh, Lynette when we have the big presentation, just like, don't wear your green suit. Okay. And Lynette's like, okay. Um, everything Nina says is really out of pocket. And she's, she's straight up bullying Lynette for her clothes. It, it just, oh, it made me so mad. And then even Stu of Stu's place comes in and <laughs> Stu of Stu's place fame. Yeah. We're back in Stu's place. And, um, she comes in and she goes, Stu, do that thing that you do about Lynette's suits. And he just, like, makes some gesture about her having food stains. But I will say, it's like, Lynette, maybe you shouldn't be coming to work with, with food stains on your... No, and I, I do agree with that. But it's, like, the way in which it was handled is not okay. No, Especially not in like a professional setting. Yeah, you pull her aside and you say, hey, Lynette, like, you have to get a new suit before this big presentation my dad actually the friend that we visited in palm springs he told me that when he started working with him the entire um baseball team put in a pool to buy this man new clothes because he, he always showed up in like the most casual wear and they were like no like you're a you're a manager like you have to be wearing suits so they all bought him a bunch of suits which is what they should have done for the for for lynette just buy her some yeah. clothes and say, hey, we know you have a lot of mouths to feed. Here's some new outfits. <laughs> buy her whatever you want her to wear. Yeah. Then we are with Gabby and lawyer David Bradley. Gabby's dressed super hot. She looks amazing. And they're at the courthouse for the pretrial hearing. And David is like, no, no, no. Like, you need to go home and change. This is not going to work. And then there's this man who's like following them and he's like, yo, David Bradley, David Bradley, I need to talk to you. And he's like, you made my wife stay away from me. You're a horrible person. And he's like, Lewis, you were stalking her. Like she needed a, a, there was a lot of words going really fast at once, but he was like, you were stalking her. She needed a uh, restraining order. That's not my fault, blah, blah, blah. And he's just really freaky. And then he pulls out a gun which was insane, by the way. Didn't look insane to me. We're from America. And so he pulls out a gun and David throws Gabby to the side. And Lewis is shooting going. Pew, 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 pew. And David like blocks all the, the bullets with um, a briefcase. And then Lewis throws him the gun when he's out of bullets. bullets. And then 
David's a little bit stupid here because he goes, oh, and loudly, when I put bullets in this gun, I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna shoot you. Like nobody else was around for this. Obviously, no, it looks like you did it. And then a cop comes and shoots him because he thinks he's the perp. Yeah, this felt kind of unrealistic to me, not just because of the the gun being pulled, but also because David should be much more shaken up if he was nearly just shot. I think if you are a criminal lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, and you spend every day looking at cases of people like really bad things and bad people doing things, I think that this would just, he's like, oh yeah, I was shot at. Like, I think he's probably so like desensitized mm-hmm. as I was mm-hmm. watching because I am from America and I see these things happen all the time. Christy, do you want to take the next scene? Because I know it's going to be very important to you. Gun control now. Yes. So (laughs) this is a political podcast. (laughs) So we get back to Wisteria Lane after that crazy scene and we see somebody mowing their lawn and it's Paul Young. The Messiah has returned. He has risen. Yeah. Uh, Once again, we are one, not even one week into Lent. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> I think, oh wait, I think I'm giving up Celsius for Lent. When did Lent start? When did Lent start? It's, it started on Valentine's Day. Slay, I don't think I've had one. Wait, what should I give up? I don't know. Well, can you give me a suggestion? TikTok. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. um, So... Yes, yeah, so Paul is mowing his lawn. He's back and looking better than ever. I see it looks like he went through the celebrity machine because something about him looks really good. And like, why does he, he looks younger than in season one. Maybe he got a little tuck tuck with his- A little facelift, perhaps. Season one bonus. Hey, um, Mark Moses, it's us again. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gabby and Bree are talking on the phone. Everybody's freaking out that he's back. Susan shows up, drops all her groceries. I don't know why they're all scared. Like, they know what happened. They know Mary Alice was the true killer. So I don't understand why they're all so freaked out. Like, he is the most innocent-looking man. Like, he's just a man trying to mow his lawn, okay? They are freaked out because he killed Martha Hoover. (laughs) Again. Okay. (laughs) We've... It's like beating a dead horse. Yeah. We've... I hate that saying. Toy, toy, toy. Susan, so he starts walking towards Susan because she drops her groceries. And he's like, do you need help with that, Susan? And she goes, stay away from me. Stay away from me. I'm calling the cops. And then Bree and Gabby are like, hey, stop. Stay away from her. Like, he's not going to kill her. He's not going to do anything to her in the light of day, in the middle of yeah. the street where everybody sees. Yeah, he's not going to do anything to her. It is broad daylight, but... <laughs> Like, let's just get real, Susan. This man saved you from going to prison. Yeah. And the cops do show up a moment later. It's quickest police I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And a crowd starts to form to watch what's going on. And, like, Ida Greenberg is there. And Edie is like, huh, I made out with him. So, for some reason, like, that's a flex. Oh, yeah, they're all bragging about how they know Paul. Paul has this bit of a power move. I I wrote that I love the look in Mark Moses's eye here because when the cops ask to talk to Mike, he's like, can I stay here? I have a lot of raking to do. Like he is so, like he could have run for president and won because he is so like- Well, it's not that hard. (laughs) True. Because he's so like, he knows what he did, but he's like, I don't, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Just like, who else? Donald Trump. He said, deny, deny, deny. He denied, denied, denied. And it worked because, so Susan says, he killed Martha Hoover. He did this. He did that. Mike knows everything. So the police, Susan, everybody goes to Mike's. So the cops are at his door with the whole crowd of Wisteria laid behind. And... They start questioning Mike and Mike's like, 
I don't know anything about any of this. No, I, Paul's just my neighbor. And Susan's like, oh my God, I can't believe you just made me look stupid. No, Susan, you did that to yourself. You did this. I will say my favorite part of this scene was the fact that the entire crowd being on Mike's steps was just so funny. And the way that they were all like laid out too. <laughs> it just like a little bit of a line was great. Then we cut back to Lynette who is with Tom. Lynette has bought herself a new white power suit. She looks amazing. She's showing it off. And all Tom cares about is the fact that it was very, very, very expensive. My thing is, first of all, I have to talk about the suit for a second. Lynette's gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Love her. This yeah. suit looks like something a 60-year-old woman would get married in at the courthouse for her third wedding. I disagree. I really liked it. I think it, it looks like a middle-aged woman's um, marriage, like, wedding gown. And they're like, I'm too old to wear a pretty nice dress. So I understand where you're coming from, even though I disagree. I just think I love, like, a white hot outfit, like an all-white. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly love just, like, monochrome anything. But especially because you just don't see it a lot out in nature I feel especially with that whole like old-timey you can't wear white after Labor Day I think my problem is like not the color it's like the cut I don't like the long skirt. oh I would okay, have liked it okay. better if it was like a suit with pants and maybe okay like some stripes well let's call wardrobe and see what they have to say about it I'm about to find out who did wardrobe and I want to know why but yeah, Tom is so mad and it's like, okay, but you were spending more money on drinks with all your little bros when you were working every day. So, and Lynette's probably making more money. Lynette is making enough money to justify these purchases. And the thing is like, you can always make the money back. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if you're not the one going out and making the money, then you can't say anything. Sorry. It goes both ways. Yeah. Sorry. He does not get to have an opinion on this part. No. Then we're back to Brie and George. Brie really took to heart what Dr. Goldfine said, and she's trying to prove him wrong. So she calls George and she goes, hi, George. Book a romantic hotel outside of town. And George is so excited and makes a really creepy smile. He's there on the phone. So he's in his bed. And I really didn't like that at all. He gives me yep. the GBs. Me neither. Then, of course, Susan has to go ask Mike about what happened when he denied knowing anything about Paul. And Mike explains everything to her. He's like, I would have gotten 10 to 15 years myself if the cops knew what happened. So that makes more sense to Susan, even though she's not particularly happy about it. And then Mike reminds her that Martha Huber wrote about Susan in her journal. Wait, so at what point did Mike find out about the arson? Because we never saw this conversation, I don't think. Maybe he just read the journal. Yeah, that's my But guess. I would have loved to see Mike being like, hey, why did you, did you burn down Edie's house? And Susan would have said, yes, I did. And Mike would have said, <laughs> why and how? Do you know what I think Mike would have said? What? You sly dog. <laughs> you sly dog you sly dog um but like imagine that conversation because then he's gonna be like so what exactly happened and she was gonna say i heard my cat or edie had a man friend over i thought it was you so i snuck in the house and accidentally burned it <laughs> like, that's a little crazy a little like i thought you were with Edie. If I couldn't have Mike, nobody could. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, we know she didn't intentionally burn the house down, but still, like, she committed, is it burglary? No. No, it's trespassing, breaking, I think. Breaking and entering. Breaking and entering. Yeah. So she did do that. She did commit a crime on purpose. <laughs> She I, did indeed do that. I cannot believe we were robbed of, of Mike finding out that she burned her, her house down 
because she thought he was there. You know what? I will just add it to the fan fiction list. Yeah, we need, we need, to, I, I know it's a cut scene and I'm about to sneak into the ABC archives to find it tomorrow. As you should. I should. Then Gabby goes to visit David in the hospital and he's like, oh, you're my first visitor. And she's like, what do you mean? You've been here for two days. <laughs> and I kind of didn't pay attention to the rest of the scene because I just thought the actor was really attractive and I kind of got lost in his eyes. Um, yeah, they have a moment in the hospital and I think the, he's like, yeah, my office left me flowers and the flowers are like, we didn't know you had a heart or something. Oh no, we didn't know you could bleed. Right. That's so kind of Regina George of him. How so? Because, oh, I guess it's in the musical, but in the movie <laughs> musical, she's like Regina when she's with, with her little neck brace and everything. She tells Katie, she's like, when I got hit by that bus. I just saw um, my mom and, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, what's the friend's name? Janice? Oh, no, 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 no. The, oh my God. I listen to the musical every day. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Regina. What are the other plastics? Karen and Gretchen. 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 She's like, I saw my mom and Gretchen just looking confused. They were just shocked. I had a heart that could stop or something like that. Like they weren't upset. They were just like, she can die. That's crazy. So Regina. Um, so then we're back at Stu's place and um, Nina, Lynette walks in with her old crummy suit and she sees everybody dressed really nicely. So she's like, no, I'm putting on this suit. So she goes in the car, she changes and she like tucks the tag in because she was ready to return it. And Nina goes, wow, like embarrassing her for buying a new suit. It's like this girl can't win. But it's like, she's like, look, everybody, Lynette went out and bought a new suit. Like, that's so embarrassing. Like, I can't, I hate going to work with new clothes because I don't like, want people to notice. I just bought new stuff. So just, it really, really bothered me how Nina was acting. Yeah, no, I didn't like it. And then even she gets in the, you can see Lynette is in the meeting and she's doing so well. And it is true when you like love the, you really feel like you look good. You just feel so much better. Yes. So she is feeling great in her expensive new suit. And then the tag is sticking out. Oh, I and, was cringing. And, I was I cringing. Know. And Lynette had said, she's like, no, I've had this in my closet, like for a really long time. Like I just found it. And she still had the tag, so Nina, in the middle of the meeting, rips it off. And she goes, look, everybody, Lynette bought a new suit. When she could have easily just been like, Lynette, your tag. Because I've gone, I've gone to work with tags still on by accident. Probably even I did it in this. They can happen sometimes, even if you're not planning on returning it. That's why I'm trying to remember why I think of Nina with like these rose colored glasses on mm -hmm. because I feel like there is a point where she gets better but Haven't it's not yet it. I have not seen it because she's just antagonizing like where's HR where's HR in this yes Regina no Regina every waking hour I make sure that Mr. Gina George would say a power if Regina is the sun then I'm a disco ball cause my aunt is my name fun. is Christy Gomez I take your secrets and I let a play to make Regina so then we're at Carlos's hearing and are they at the hearing for the for the gay bashing is that what they're talking about Yes. Okay, so we're still at gay bashing. I didn't realize that they, they continued with, for some reason, I thought it just ended at beating Justin. I never for so, I never thought it was brought up again, but he's fully like, right. Yeah, but that's why he's still in for this case. So David is trying to speak. He's like, this man didn't. And then he's like, I can't do this anymore. And he ha thinks he's fallen in love with Gabby. So, Where did this even come from? It's the Florence Nightingale effect. Because what is she, that? You've never heard of this? It's when um like men will fall. I mean, I guess it can go either way, but like when a man falls in love with like their caretaker or their nurse because like they're taking care of them. So like she visited oh. him at the hospital 
So he's like, wow, I'm in love with Gabby. She's so beautiful and amazing. And that's just not the case. Well, she is, but. She is beautiful and amazing, but mm-hmm. that's not, okay. That makes sense. And he chases her out and she, or she chases him out and he's like, I can't represent, I can't get this idiot out of jail. You deserve so much more. I'm in love with you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh my God, <laughs> she's like oh brother yeah and you can tell she really loves carlos because she's not willing to have an affair she's like no, yeah i want my jailed husband i don't really get what she's seeing in carlos right now it's just crazy that she loves him more in jail than she, she did when he was not in jail yeah and she's still pregnant <laughs> not showing they really pull like they uh really stretch out this pregnancy yes because i don't think she ever shows and she's pregnant the entire season so the next scene is what i deemed the display of a caring father and you can probably speak more to this but we do see a very very contentious scene between susan and paul i have a few questions about this scene first of all we see susan she is under her sink it looks like she's doing her own plumbing. Like, Mike's a plumber. Right. He basically, I know they don't really live together, but he lives across the street. Why are you, Why do you have your head under the sink like that? And then, when you live on a place like Wisteria Lane that always has crime going on, why would you <laughs> say, oh, yeah, come on in, when just somebody knocks at the door? It could right. truly be anybody. And it is somebody who you think wants to kill you. Paul, and yeah, it's nighttime. It doesn't. It is definitely not nighttime. I'm pretty sure it's during the day. No, I think it's night. I could be wrong. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I might just be saying stuff. But it feels like Paul wouldn't be holding up a knife during the day. I'm pretty sure it's during the day, but it's okay. Um, so he's like, where's my son why have you been putting these signs up she goes i don't know and then he she sees her like reach for something in the dirty sink and he goes what are you looking for she goes a knife i'm gonna cut some tomatoes and then paul he just he's obviously not gonna hurt susan but he knows she's very frantic and timid so he just holds up a knife he's like here and she goes i saw him in the park he steps closer and she goes he's in utah steps close like she's singing like a canary and she was like even the money yeah. for a bus ticket yeah she is singing like a canary good point yeah like it just it didn't it took nothing to get that information out of her and it's like why would you say that it's gonna get back to mike michaelis mouse they did a close-up of paul's face and it was terrible it was a terrible shot did you notice that it was just like Oh my god, it just didn't fit the scene at all. It did not fit the back and forth. Then Gabby goes back to the jail to talk to Carlos. She's explaining what happened with David. She's like, I want to fix this. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix this. And Carlos says, go have sex with him. (laughs) He fully thinks it's a ruse. He thinks it's a ruse. He thinks it's a whole setup. And he's like, obviously you've set me up so you can have sex with him. I'd like to go back to jail now. (laughs) And she goes, she goes, pick up your shanks or whatever you guys make in prison. (laughs) And I'm going to see you at home. (laughs) That was just so funny. I think I had to rewind because it was so funny hearing her go, you better pack up your shanks or whatever else you make in prison. And he just goes, I don't have any shanks. Jeez. It's cracking up. <laughs> but yeah, he does not trust her. He really thinks that all of this is just she can have an affair. Because Gabby's like, I have been nothing but loyal to you since you've been in here. <laughs> Yes, but I personally don't find favor with Carlos right now. I know that I will like him more later when he, like, softens up. I just love that there's stupid little banter. It's hilarious. <laughs> they do have some of the best one-liners. Yeah. I think they are the most comedically written characters. 
Yes, because you know who doesn't really get moments like this? Brie. Actually, no. I no, because Brie gets one. all the zingers. I feel like Lynette and Tom together oh, don't yeah. get as good of banter. Um, but since you've mentioned Brie, let's talk about the next scene where she and George are checking into this hotel out of town. Um, the receptionist calls her Mrs. Williams, and you suddenly see her whole demeanor change, like her face changes, and she gets the rash again. Yeah, because he goes- <laughs> Right there, on the spot. She's not, she's not my wife. And then she starts freaking out. And then he's like, okay. She's like, I, I want to go home. I want to go home. And he's like, we can just get you another hotel room. Like, we don't have to have sex this weekend. And then she goes, and then he goes to get a second room. She goes, George, how funny. My, I just stopped itching. <laughs> <laughs> She's not in love with him. She's not even attracted to him. Then Lynette gets home and Tom is steaming mad that she didn't return the suit. I was just like, come on, Tom. Like Lynette is making an income. Like they have money coming in constantly. And Lynette is trying to just like chill him out and be like, listen, we deserve to have nice things from time to time. That's the big thing too, is like, just because you buy a couple nice items of clothing does not mean that, you know, you can't give your children a good life or, or live in Fairview. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so then to really seal the deal, she pulls these like designer golf clubs out of the trunk and hands them over to him. And she says, she's like, if we treat ourselves well, then we can be better people and better parents. And that is so, I think this was a really good message for a lot of people yeah. out there because so many people just dedicate their lives so much to their kids and then they just like don't save anything for themselves and they start kind of resenting their children. I would. Yeah, yeah no, I you're absolutely right. Myself. And then, you know, who else they, who starts resenting them? Their friends because then they get annoying. I like seeing Lynette and Tom in their Carlos and Gabby era. <laughs> yeah, I love their rich era. It's fun. Lynette and Tom Solis. <laughs> um, so then George and Brie are at a restaurant and they're talking about how they're going to go thrifting and like do all these non-sexual things over the weekend. And there's a couple, <laughs> a couple behind them fully making out. And then George gives her these antihistamines which really freaked me out a little bit because she's like <sighs> this was george, bad she's like george i don't think i should take these like with alcohol and that made me think of you not drinking when you had an advil six hours ago it made me think of me not <laughs> drinking when i had an advil six hours ago but here's the thing like brie is old enough to know better and she's like yeah. well you're the pharmacist but she takes these pills with the wine at least wash it down with water if nothing else that's what i was thinking i think it's one thing if you're taking um a pill with water and then you drink later like you can do with advil by the way basically uh this is a recipe for disaster poor brie is a mess george like hauls her up the stairs back to the room and he's like we're gonna get you to bed and he's so creepy about it and he puts her down on the bed he like takes off her shoes and he's like oh i just you know how much i love you no but i was really scared like i she's like slurring can't even look it looks like she's been fully roofy she's like yeah it was it must be the antihistamines like yeah I yeah I'm going up the stairs, and everybody's like, oh my god, that woman's been drugged. Nobody's doing anything about it. Like, obviously, something's off, and it makes me wonder if he really gave her antihistamines, but I guess that's up to the viewer to decide. Ugh, I don't like that no. at all. And I just don't like that she implicitly trusts him. Mm -hmm. And the scene is really freaky because she, like, fully knocks she she passes out essentially on the bed and you just see this really creepy scene this like sinister music behind and george is standing over her and he just starts taking his tie off and then there it was made a, me really uncomfortable it blacks out and there's a commercial break so i think it was supposed to make you think that he was about to r-a-p-e 
but then he didn't. Then she wakes up, um, and he's just sitting at the on his chair, and her clothes. It's are so still creepy on. to watch somebody sleep. Very creepy. It's like you should have just left her there and then go into your go into her room or something or go into your own room wherever they were. Yeah, leave her alone. Yeah, and then he says something really bad. Like she wakes up and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And he goes, "Um, you look so peaceful and beautiful. I almost felt guilty about the pills." Which is like, I don't know if that's insinuating that he did do something. Right, right. Or not. And she's like, listen, like, I still feel married. And my note just says George is so creepy and bad and evil. Like, I just, I feel like I'm a broken record. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, I'm sorry, but you're just really going to have to wait. Like, this just can't happen right now. And he goes, there's only so much rejection I can take. One day I'll wake up. You'll wake up and I won't be there okay so then go why have you waited around this long she was about to get off scotch free scot free scot free <laughs> <laughs> bilingual father strikes again <laughs> i really thought it was scotch free but okay um and then he fully guilts her into having sex with him and oh i hated that then the next scene he's peacefully sleeping very happily no shirt on in bed and she is sitting in her chair clearly regretting that decision i just felt so bad for her like her eyes are red she's she feels awful then gabby is with david bradley again and gabby said something like i'm catholic hence the guilt and i was like okay same (laughs) she talks about how she's not going to leave carlos she's like trying to seduce David and he's like no no like I want all or nothing and she's like well that's too bad like this is what you can get so what's it gonna be Mm -hmm. and she fully tricks him because he's like okay and he starts to go for it and she's like see you aren't in love with me Carlos wouldn't share that's why he's so (laughs) like violent over it yeah and she goes you don't love me you just want an illicit affair that's the thing about illicit affairs and clandestine meetings and stolen st- I think Taylor Swift watches Desperate Housewives. I think so too. And as we speak, I am putting illicit affairs on the we're going to sing playlist. Please do. Like, I actually think that she wrote this. She watched this during COVID and was like, I have to write a song about this. And one day I'm going to ask yeah. her when she finally allows me to be her friend. Yeah. <sighs> exhausting if i were a boy if i were a boy can you guys believe that this whole time summer has been seeing the Eva mcintyre version (laughs) i just i think it's funny because obviously beyonce's version is like the classic the og but hearing reba sing it, it it's like not that it feels illegal but it's it's so like Reba is so the opposite <laughs> of Beyonce. Yeah. Wait, have you heard the country songs she put out? They're so good. Like they I hate out, country. Well, I do too. But she's Beyonce. So oh it's not oh, like, I thought you meant Reba. Not Reba. Of course, Reba puts out country music, but Beyonce's releasing a country album, and it's incredible. Oh, Gabby also tells him she's like. If you don't show up for court, I'm getting you disbarred for sexual harassment. So then she fully blackmails him. And I'm like, good on you. And I and I bet if he was like, no, I don't want to have, I don't want to just have an affair. I am really in love with you and I'm going to kill Carlos. She would have been into it. I know like, she would have. Oh, okay. Like you want to murder my husband? I love... Gabby and David Bradley. I think I'm just like anti Carlos right now because he's done something that is to me unforgivable. Yeah, no, agreed. But now she's like kind of okay with having a baby. So, but I don't get what switch flipped. Like there was no scene that demonstrated her saying like, "Oh, I would be okay with motherhood." No, I know. Also, abortion was legal back then. 
but I don't think it was allowed to be talked to on um, broadcast TV. Then we, okay, we're at. Okay, we, we need to, we need to brace ourselves to discuss this next scene. So this is just a lot. This is why all the other storylines wrap up so fast. Um, so Paul is gardening with snail poison. And Mike goes, hey, you better be careful with that snail poison. It's going to kill your azaleas or something like that. And I think they tried to, like, give him snail poison to seem creepy. I personally didn't like that he was using snail poison again. Like, he can kill Martha Hoover all he wants, but I really don't like him killing snails. SOS. Save our snails. (laughs) Save our snails. Like, what did the snails ever do to him? They're literally just existing. That's not nice, but okay. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. I can't get behind you on using poison to kill insects. I don't actually know. What is a snail? Yeah, I think it's a bug. I don't think it's a bug. I don't think it is. It, it's not an amphibian. I don't know. Is it a mammal? Wow. Well, what in what? Uh, why was amphibian even on the table? I don't wait. What? What category is a snail? Oh, snail. You learning what a snail is? A su- slugs and snails are invertebrates in the animal kingdom. I just thought. This scene was a really tough pill to swallow because Mike says the phrase, nobody wants you here, Paul. And, and Paul Paul's goes, response. I'm just a father looking for his son. It's so sad. I was so hurt by this. And it's like, stop bullying him. And then... And then Paul goes, oh, your stupid girlfriend, Susan, just gave me some fake story about Utah. And for some reason, that, like, the way he said it, like, rings alarm bells in Mike's ear. Because he's like, why would she say that? I think there was a very specific way he said it that he was like, wait a minute. I think it was like he saw saw him in the park or something like that. So where it gets really bad this so is then, the, i can't handle this so then mike so then susan's trying on the wedding dresses and mike walks in and she's like oh my god don't look at me and he goes did you give zach money to go to utah and she just her whole demeanor changes she goes well she was talking he was talking a lot about julie like i couldn't i got really scared do you want to take the rest and what what just happens here? I really don't want to, but it it, it's sad. really bad. Mike immediately leaves and Lynette and Gabby see Susan rushing out the door in the wedding dress. She's running after Mike. He gets in the car. He's like, we're done. Then Bree comes out and sees and Terry Hatcher is losing it she is an absolute mess on the street as mike is driving away and she's begging him please please what can i do i want to fix it mike stop like i would too yeah Blanche is so true blanche and that wasn't blanche i heard blanche go i thought that was tofu that's blanche blanche isn't even in this room tofu's not in here Okay, <laughs> we're, pi- we're picking up a third frequency. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's so, like everybody in Mysterio Lane's watching. She's ah! yeah. I mean, it's it is just the most heartbreaking scene, and especially when the girls come over to comfort her, like they all rush into the street after her. I just I felt a little emotional. I did too. I really, the scenes burned into my brain. It made me so bad because Mike just drives off, doesn't give her a second look. And then you can see Paul. Yeah. And just that, that exchange of glances between Susan and Paul at the end there, it is so heartbreaking because you know, there is like a bit of a, maybe a sick, um, not yet, not even shot on Friday exactly, but like a sick pleasure that Paul takes in seeing that Susan is hurting as much as he has been hurting. Exactly. Cause she's put his family through a lot, but also I don't, I think that Mike could have listened to her a little bit more instead of stalking off like that. But then we black out. There's no 
montage at the end. It's just zooming out on Wisteria Lane and seeing Susan. And just her being in the wedding dress, too, makes it so much worse. <sighs> it's heartbreaking it's so beyond. so sad to see her like that. But... C'est la vie. Well, that's our episode. So, guys, <laughs> um, remember, do all the things, TikTok and Instagram. At we, we are, are going, going to tell. Please buy our merch. Guys, we really <laughs> want someone to wear our merch. Please buy our merch and send us a photo of you in it, and we will feature you on all of our socials. This has been... We know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going, going to, to tell. Can't wait to lower that in post. <laughs> you all come back now. You hear?